so originally my background's in social media. That's been my career for the past half decade or so. Started doing social media when I was around 18 years old and ended up actually going to school. That's a whole other story we don't have to dive into, but ended up going to college, thought that was what I wanted um, and ended up dropping out two days into classes and ended up calling my family and they're like, is this guy missing? And anyways, yeah, from there, it actually just really went downhill. I didn't have it figured out. It's not some like crazy, super motivational story. It's like, I kind of just didn't enjoy what I was doing there. And I just decided maybe social media will work. So ended up getting into social media. Uh, one of my old friends, his name's Anthony Brajas. He actually got me into TikTok, ended up just creating fitness content. That's where I started. So do, did fitness content on Instagram. I remember I started in that college or high school to college transition during that time. And I remember when I first started social media, people were unfollowing me, talking about my back at school, your typical thing, like you're especially five, six years ago, it wasn't as in. So it was kind of weird to be creating content. So anyways, you know, created content, uh, short form content for a while, just really enjoyed fitness content. Um, ended, move, ended up moving into TikTok, doing that fitness stuff, posting six times a day for a year. Um, just went all in quite honestly, and just forced myself to figure it out. Really enjoyed it. Ended up, ended up doing comedy content, Omegle videos, which is kind of like entertainment and started that trend with my buddy, Anthony. Then ended up meeting my long distance, uh, my long distance girlfriend. And we blew up together on social media. And that's kind of what I'm known for the relationship guy, um, to some degree, probably to a larger degree than I'd like to admit. Um, and then eventually, you know, gotten to tech somehow, really, I met my partner his name's brennan duncan he's the head of growth at aus ai and for anyone listening aus ai is the tech startup i'm working on that i'm assuming we'll probably chat a little bit about um but i ended up meeting brennan in the web3 space i'm sure you guys know decentralized finance crypto and i was really big into that when i was like 19 20 and had a lot of fun in there learned a lot and him and i essentially he he really helped me build my discord because my goal was to help all of these people my whole community just garner knowledge on how to grow their platforms because I just really enjoy helping people and I still do to this day. And it's part of what we're doing at, at Aus AI. Ended up growing this massive community with him to over 25,000 people in Discord. We have stage calls with 300, 400 people. They were massive. And we got to this point, Q1 of this last year, we're looking at all these individuals that are from my community and I'm giving out all the information I can. And I'm just realizing a paid Discord and, and just information is not enough to help these people. It's really not especially the day and age we live in, the attention span is lower. People don't want to get on camera. We have all these micro problems that I didn't really understand, you know, trying to help people. And I thought that was going to be the business. We ended up canning that and we were like, okay, we need to go back to the drawing board. So that took like three, four months. And then through that process, somehow, some way, we just started learning about chat GPT and AI. And that's when the rabbit hole started. And we're like, essentially went through this series of, just diving deep into tech, him and I, and we didn't even have anything formal. And we're like, there's gotta be something here. There's gotta be something that we can do here. How can I, how can we leverage AI to help the community? And that's kind of where it started. And then it got deeper and deeper to where we essentially tried to automate the content creation process. And originally we thought, all right, we're just gonna create a agency where we can generate you know, all these assets with AI and then hire editors and then give out tons of content and then help people grow pages that way. And then it was like, I don't think that's really going to work. So then I ha remember having this call with him and we sat down. I still remember I was outside and I was like, bro, I think that we can automate this whole thing. 
hear me out. And he's like, no, you're crazy. That's literally what he said, word for word. And I was like, no, no, this is how we're going to do it. So I ended up drafting up this mural board and basically reverse engineering the content creation process step by step, like not with code at all. Just this is subjectively what makes a video perform. And then ended up taking that and then starting to learn how to code with my co-founder now, Brennan. And we ended up building out this essentially a flow of how to create content step-by-step. Step, it was thousands of steps. And then we're like, okay, now we need to find a developer to help us tie this all together. And, and just to give more context, essentially what I, what I wanted to do and what I found out through this process is if you think about like a cup of coffee for anyone listening, right? You have a, a subjective but measurable understanding of what your favorite cup of coffee is. Every, maybe that is something different for you, but a cup, cup of coffee is the best example. You like, you could say this Starbucks coffee is the best cup of coffee, but you can actually measure exactly what the ingredients are in there. The same thing is with content creation. Essentially, I have a good understanding of what that cup of coffee looks like for a video that's going to perform. So if I can objectively measure that and turn that into code, then theoretically I could take my subjective understanding of what makes a video perform and put that into code and then give that to the masses. So if that makes sense. So long story short, ended up working on that for a very long time. And then we got to this point where like, okay, I, we have no idea what to do next. So I ended up messaging probably 200 developers on LinkedIn and none of them responded. And then I messaged like another 200 and these are all like college kids. Cause I'm like, I honestly don't have money to pay 300, 500 grand to a developer, you know, in, in Silicon Valley, I'm trying to find a young stud. So eventually we stumbled upon this guy named Jaden Bertino, who's now a co-founder with us and our lead developer. We showed it to him. He's like, you guys did the hard part. And we're like, what? And we were confused because we thought it was going to be really difficult. Um, but he ended up long story short, he joined the team. He ended up building the second half of it. And then we had a product and then obviously we started making videos. And over the past month and a half, we've proved the concept that an individual with little to no experience can come and use our tool. And obviously with some understanding of how do I write a script and how do I use the software? But we have individuals that have never created content, especially faceless content before getting five, 10, 15,000 views on their videos um, off the bat, which is uh, pretty insane. So I guess that's like a, a full story of, like spark notes, it's probably could go into more detail if you guys have questions, but that's like the spark note story of how I ended up here. I love it. I love it. So and a little later we'll let's we'll, we'll dive into Asa AI, your project. Before we do that, uh let's get a little bit into you talked about a good video and good video content. What makes a good video a good video? What did you figure out about that? It's really tough. It's so hard to answer because I, I get asked this a lot and the difficult part is, is there's general frameworks that you can abide by, right? Which, which is a whole nother conversation, but it's, it's hard for me to say exactly what is a good video because it is subjective, but at the same time, it's like, are we talking about a short form video? Are we talking about a video in this specific niche? Are we talking about a, a video for a personal brand? Are we talking about a faceless video? So it's like, maybe if you could be more specific, cause I don't, I don't want to give wrong information to your, to your audience. That's, that's just my my thing. So yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Like, so say for a short form TikTok video and someone's doing AI content, right? Because that's a hot thing right now. Is there like, you know, there's mm. so much out there information on how to do that. And a lot of it's like, you got to hold people's attention right away in the first five seconds on TikTok videos per se. 
but like what else is there is there any like little tips or tricks that that most people don't know mm. about and creating videos um maybe it could be for a faceless video in this case to to, sure. to at least do decent you know decently well for someone that doesn't have any experience in doing uh short form content at all yeah no it's a it's a great question so i think there's you know some general frameworks when we're looking at it so i actually have some resources that i gave to the community on this so i'll, I'll even pull those up just so i can make sure i'm giving out the, the best information so one of the main things that i've noticed especially with faceless content is that a lot of we have to start at the basis of what is creating right and if we look at what is creating it's taking existing things or taking things from existing domain and reshuffling them in a way that's novel and robust right so i'll give you an example steve jobs created the iphone what really was the iphone the iphone was just an accumulation of existing elements and he combined them together to create the iphone right a new ui apps calling people texting people all existing elements that were working and then he pulled them all together and created something magnificent right if you look at uh reese's peanut butter cups they didn't create peanut butter or chocolate but they combined them together in a way that's novel and robust and they created uh the brand right reese's peanut, mm -hmm. peanut butter cups so kind of starting at the basis i think that i'm in a lot of communities and i see courses that are sold on this is what you should be doing but i think that something that steers a lot of aspiring creators wrong is they're not essentially taught the frameworks they're taught how to copy um, and the reason I bring up creativity is because there's already so much, especially in faceless content, because that's what we're talking about, just to be specific. There's so much proof of content that's already working. And you, the best advice I could give is that pay attention to those things and take existing elements of what's working and make it your own. Because you don't have to be creative. Creativity is really just taking from existing elements. Nothing's truly creative. And I think a lot of people are very focused on here's the best niche, right? And a niche is essentially just a, a well-established audience or culture within social media. So we have like an AI niche. If you want to be more specific, maybe you have the chat GBT niche, people that like chat GBT. Um, so there's probably already thousands of accounts that are performing very well on social media using AI. Now, a lot of courses that are being sold will tell you, copy these best niches. But really, in my opinion, what they should be teaching is this is how you can analyze this niche and what is actually the reasons these videos are performing in this niche and how can I steal aspects of those that are doing well and then create my own niche, right? And then have people copying me. So that's like one thing that I like to talk about. And then you have like the micro aspects within an actual you know piece of content, which is like the editing style and, and the script, which... I'm not a big fan of using ChatGPT or any of these LLMs to write scripts. I still think human ingenuity and creativity, a lot of those, you know, this is like another thing, because I'm sure you guys might have questions about those prior things. But one last point is that one of the main problems that people that I've seen people run into uh, using ChatGPT or copywriting, whether it's for a newsletter, whether it's for your, your Twitter threads, whether it's for your content for social media. In order to use ChatGPT or any LLM to support your creative processes, you first need to have the prerequisites to determine whether or not said script or copy is good. So if you just go straight into, I'm going to use ChatGPT to write my scripts, if you don't have the discernment to tell that is good or bad, then it deprecates the idea of using said tool. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. It's like you got to know, know about creating 
content before you get into having chat GPT write a script for you because you don't know if the script's going to be good or not. Like, you yeah, got to understand exactly. what makes a good script in order to have chat GPT do, do it for you. One interesting thing is, and I think you brought up a really good point, at least from my experience of creating sure. YouTube videos of like, I, cre I create like short uh, seven minute YouTube videos mm -hmm. um, about AI news and things like that. And some videos, and I'm still learning, I just started it a few months ago. But one of the things that I've really learned about is, you know, picking a topic for a video is probably the hardest part. And the ones that do the best are the ones that have already done well on YouTube or already done well on TikTok. So if you're looking to research a video that might do well, it, it helped me at least pick something that's already done well and go with that. Because a lot of times, like I did this one video on a, like Sam Altman on these AI shoes, right? They let you walk three times faster than the normal. I saw that. that yeah. Cool. And it didn't do well at all uh, in terms of views because, uh, you know, it was just so niche that nobody else really knows about it on YouTube. It hasn't gained any traction yet. So it really helps to find something that's already doing well. Is, is that, from your experience, way more than I do? Is that sort of um, validated on your end as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. And I was even looking at your YouTube channel uh, just before this for just a bit. And we could talk about that after the podcast as well. I'd love to give any insight I have. Granted, um, I'm more towards short form, but I think a lot of the concepts uh, do apply for sure. But in terms of what you spoke to there is awesome. In terms of looking around and seeing what's working, I don't know if I've coined this term, but I, I love talking about it and I call it borrowing attention. And that's really what we're doing. If we look at the most trending things on the internet, especially like in the AI space, really all we're doing when we use certain words that are high attention, meaning universally known, such as if we're using ChatGPT or Sam Altman, those are just high attention words. People are familiar and they know them. If I open up, for example, if I open up a video saying Sam, or, or if I said Sally's using ChatGPT right now and AI is, or not even AI, Sally likes to use ChatGPT for her copywriting skills. People are like, hmm. I don't care. I'm going to swipe. If you say Elon Musk uses ChatGPT for Tesla, right? People are like, oh, Elon Musk, Tesla, ChatGPT. I'm from, this is familiar. I'm going to watch yeah. that. So I just kind of call them, it's pretty simple, like high attention words. And you can borrow attention from things that are already doing well and then make it your own. And if you can, this is what I've, I've found, especially in faceless short form content. If you can, bundle all these words and topics in your own way and borrow attention from all these things. And it encapsulates all short form content, in my opinion, and just content creation in general. If you look at the largest commercials in the world, if we talk about sound, for example, the music they use behind the most popular commercials are universally known. They're high attention. They're borrowing attention. Same thing goes with sounds. The reason Typically that you'll have, a. I mean, there's many aspects to choosing like the right sound behind a video, but typically if it's universally known, it's, and it matches the emotions and the pacing of the video, which is like kind of my three pronged Kwanzaa framework of like <laughs> matches the emotions being evoked also matches the pacing. And then it's universally known or trending. That's like a really good sound to put behind a video. Um, so the reason I, I speak to that is because barring attention doesn't just speak to the actual words on the screen, but it's also what are you including, you know, in terms of visuals, what's familiar to people because the content we consume, it's familiar. If we, if we were to all go look back at the videos we've liked, 
It's because we understand it and it's familiar to us. That's why we, we like these videos. When you're using broad names and broad terms and adjectives and just kind of word vomit and people wonder why their videos don't perform, it's because it doesn't relate to anyone, if that makes sense. That's what I've found personally through my experience. Very cool. And I think that's one thing that's missing from if you try to write a script with ChatGPT, they're not going to give you those little examples, specific mm -hmm. things that people can relate to. It's all like more generic things, at least from what I've seen. Because um, I've tried to write a script with ChatGPT and they're pretty terrible. I mean, it gives you a lot of information. <laughs> but I mean, it goes back to your point, um, Cole, is everything's it's like. I don't know, it's it's hard because everything can be automated, but we still need that human factor in there. But tools like um, Asa are going to start to um, automate things for people in, in terms of short short form content, which we'll get into in a little bit here. Um, but do you see it like getting to that point where everything's automated um, when the scripts are good enough where they'll sort of get that human touch in there as well? Whereas you'll just have to write a simple prompt and, you know, it will do a, a five minute video for you. We're, de we're definitely not at a point where especially when there's some sort of subjective creativity needed where it's going to be very easy for someone to constantly print out things that are considered creative or good because one it's it's ever changing right trends change and things that are in change and i know there's exceptions to the rule but typically if you find the most viral content it has to do with probably something going on so there's a lot of nuances but the one thing i look at where there could potentially be that possibility is hypothetically, if there's enough data personally to you, I'll give you an example for, yeah. for, for Twitter, let's say if I have enough data on, and I mean a lot of data on <laughs> certain tweets that are going viral and I can define the reasons why, and then I can feed that to a model then maybe I could say, okay, well, I could probably create more tweets like the ones that have gone viral because I have all this data and I've also been able to define and understand and teach the model why the tweets are doing well. So then now it's not going to spit out word vomit. So I think like, I think it's possible, but I still think that because especially social media is so nuanced, it needs to be unique to the individual's data it cannot be a broad tool because the nature of growing a brand, right? And that's the problem that, that we're running into with a lot of these video generation tools is that they don't, they don't understand brand, right? Or at least they, they, they infringe on brand. And what I mean by that is like, I'm not going to name certain names of companies. Um, and this is not a shot at any company because they're paving the way for, for video generation, but certain companies are taking away from the individual because they're infringing on the ability to create consistent content, which is brand. So if it's too randomized, right, then we have no control over the output. So then we can't con create consistent content and create familiarity within the audience so that they can recognize me when they come back to the platform. Got it. So it's all actually, it's actually like hurting their brand in a way when they think it's helping. Exactly. Yeah. Like I think a brand, like this is how I like to think about brand brand is like, me imagine like i come onto this podcast once and they're like oh it's cole and you know maybe there's a hundred people or a thousand people listening or however many let's say a thousand people mm -hmm. and they're like oh it's cole from asa and then maybe 
they see me somewhere else and, and one out of those a thousand people is like, oh, it's Cole from Asa. But if I come back again, right, maybe tomorrow and we do it again, and then those same thousand people listen, now maybe 10 people remember, right? And maybe, and I make sure to touch on the same topics and deliver the same stories and talk about the same stuff so that people can create associations. And then I come back the third time, fourth time, eventually that group's going to know me. But if I come back and I say, my name's different, and then I talk about a different company and I tell different stories and I talk about different concepts, it's impossible for said people to create associations and, and know who I am, right? So I think about the same thing with content creation. And that's one of the big problems right now with a lot of these tools is that it's so randomized that people are never like when somebody comes back to your page or that even if they do subscribe, your next video is, is not going to be any way correlated to the last one because so much is relying on AI. And like we talked about, it's really kind of random. Mm -hmm. So then no one can create associations and then you can't actually grow a following. Does that make sense? No, it definitely does. Like people need to, Hunter and I were talking about this in our, our, our podcast, you know, cause we're always trying to approve everything. Um, videos or email newsletter, all that stuff. But um, that's one thing we bring up is like, we, we need the audience to sort of get a person, get a feeling of our personality. And maybe that brings people back because they understand who we are, what kind of questions we ask and uh, maybe little tidbits about our life, things like that uh, to, to hold them in and hold their attention. So, and maybe AI doesn't do that because it might, it's going to jump from one topic to the next and not have any kind of personality or character there for the end user. Yeah, I mean, for example, one of the things that we implement into our newsletter is just some very cheesy dad jokes at the beginning of our sections. We have some some <laughs> really some of them are bad, some of them are funny, but it 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 brings people back into that community because it builds that kind of oh, this is the kind of thing that we do here, and now they have that comfort of like this is this is the type of newsletter that cool. I like. These are the people that deliver my news. Instead of having a different tone every single time you go on, we have that same tone every single time that you're reading the newsletter and it creates that community and kind of loyalty like you talk about um, in a world where there's so many different sources screaming for your attention. No, that's that's awesome. And I think, I think I'm sure you guys know Alex Ramosi and he talks about brand all the time. Yeah. And one of the things he talks about is, I guess, high level, like brand is essentially taking your stuff and then associating it with things that people know. So like well, how I see that example is if you guys are always doing dad jokes, granted, if you're doing it on a consistent enough basis for people to remember it, because if, if it's a podcast once every 10 years, people probably won't know. But if it's really often, and then they hear a dad joke every time in the future, they might hear dad jokes and think, oh, that reminds me of this thing that I'm no. So that's a cool thing that I've noticed too. And we can tie that back to borrowing attention because you can take these things that people already know and that they see in their everyday life. And then inevitably they're going to start to associate you with, with said thing that's always around. Um, so that's a, that's a, a cool. Another thing that Alex Ramosi talks about a lot that I've seen a lot in content creation as well. And, and definitely speaks to what you guys are doing here, which is super cool. Yeah, no, thanks. So yeah, we're always looking to improve. So, um, and one, one thing too, is like, I feel that a lot of people quit YouTube or social media right away. And it's sort of a long game um, and you got to stick with it over and over again. That's sort of what you're alluding to right now. Cole is like, maybe don't, don't get discouraged, but just keep on improving, trying to figure out what you're doing wrong and, and focus on what is, uh, you know, what's good about your personality that someone else might like and try to convey that to the, to your audience. Um, while at the same time, figure out who your audience is. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And 
I was actually just in a in another Discord this morning um, that I'm a part of, and I was talking to uh, a fairly big audience about about this exact topic. And I'm sure there's people listening right now that probably are maybe just wanting to get in social media, just starting. And one thing that a lot of people ask me, especially earlier this morning when I was in that call, is how many times do I post or how often do I post? And the framework I always give people is, first of all, why is the goal to post more? Like what actually is the set goal of posting? And I think putting people in that framework is like, oh, you know what? That actually makes sense. Why do I want to post three times a day? Why do I want to post once a week? And this is a this is something that took me a long time to understand because I would just be posting. And I'm like, I'm going to post six times a day. But why? Cole? Why are you posting six times a day? And over time, what I realized is that the real reason that we post on social media is to get feedback on what's working and not working. And that's the beautiful thing about creating content is that you have the fastest feedback loop of any other business or opportunity in the world. Right as you post a video within 24 hours, you're going to know, did I do a good job or a bad job? So for anyone who's wondering how, like I'm just getting in, how often do I post? The two things I like to look at is one, not just how many times can you post a day, but also do you have enough time to actually analyze that content? Because a, a post that you put up and you don't look at is a wasted post, in my opinion, because the whole point of posting content is not to post more. Like, for example, like Mr. Beast talks about this as well. But when he would post videos, he would spend more time analyzing his content than he would making it. Right. Hmm. So and that's how he's gotten so good. So the beautiful thing about social media is every post we put out, it's giving us feedback. And when people say the algorithm, the algorithm is just a fancy word for people. Like the algorithm is humans. Granted, there's machine learning models that are analyzing your content and pushing it to said people. So maybe that's the algorithm. But at the end of the day, like you're speaking to a human being on the si other side of the screen, right? So these human beings are giving you feedback every single video you put out. So potentially the opportunity for posting more is that you're getting more feedback. But a caveat to that is asking yourself, am I capable or do I have the micro skills to analyze the content? And if you don't, maybe scale back on the posting and focus more on, wait, why did that video do well? And if you don't know, then I would highly recommend you find the resources to essentially look into how do I actually analyze if this content did well? And then once you have that skill set, granted it's it's ever growing, like it's still something I work on, but then maybe you increase the posting you know, uh, cadence on a daily basis. So that's a question that's asked a lot. So wanted to no, just touch so on that. It's I think that's a very important point. Through, again, through my experience, it's very important to post a lot as long as you analyze it, like you're saying, because you could, if you don't post anything, you're not going to learn anything. You could go on YouTube and, and watch videos on how to make great content and try to mm. glean all this information from other people. But until you start doing stuff, you don't really learn like what's going to work. Like for example, you could post a YouTube uh, video about, you know, I don't know, traveling to the Middle East or something, you know, something random. And once you post it, you're in a, you're in a, your brain's going to start kicking in and you're going to start seeing things like, wow, I should have done this this way, or the title really worked in this instance. And I never would have thought about that unless I posted this video. So there's all these like things that just sort of happen to you as a human being by posting mm. content, like you auto, your brain, brain automatically starts learning about things and it, it, that will not happen unless you start posting stuff. So I think absolutely uh, Cole had a really good point there. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're absolutely spot on there. Your project is super exciting. Cole and I sort of hit, um, met up on, on Twitter, I'm sorry, or x.com now, 
But if you could get, get into uh, your project a little bit, Cole, that'd be awesome because it's really exciting. Yeah, I know. And thanks for giving me the platform. I don't know if I thank you guys when I first got on here. So I mean, no, no. thank you so, thank thank you. You so much for, <laughs> for having me on here. I'll make sure that I, I let my community know about, about this as well and, and they'll awesome. come check it out. And we'll definitely let the Aussie community know to come check this out as well and show you guys some love. So thanks for giving me the opportunity. This is the first one I've been on as a founder, not, I mean, obviously I'm here as an influencer, but as a founder as well. So um, really grateful. I feel like I've already almost dove into it, but to simplify it, essentially what we've done is I'm sure if anyone's listening right now and they're not familiar, you're able to create videos uh, with text already. There's lots of companies out there that can create, typically what we've seen is a three to five second video, sometimes longer. And you can use a prompt, which is essentially just instructions to an AI model that says, do this thing or create this thing and then it'll create you know that thing <clears throat> what we've done is created a product that allows an individual to bring a actual script written script so not a prompt an actual script and said script um, which is just text that is read aloud by 11 labs which we actually just got a grant from them which was absolutely incredible for awesome. the startup program Congrats. yeah thank you so much and Essentially, you take your script, you put it into the platform, you select your parameters. What would that look like? It would look like a video style, which is the style of images um, that will supplement your video as it's read aloud. And then you have your captions on the screen, which are animated. So I'm sure you guys are your subtitles. I'm sure you guys have, everyone here has probably consumed a video on social media where they see animated subtitles on the screen, very popular. So those are on the screen as well. And then you have an 11 labs voice, which we're going to be implementing with their API pretty soon here. So users can bring their own API key and have their own voices. You type in your script, you create video, and then said video or said script and parameters are turned into a short form video that is optimized and engineered for engagement on social media. And when I say that, I know that's kind of some mumbo jumbo, but simply put, like I alluded to a little bit earlier, what we've done is taken my subjective understanding of what makes a video perform and put that into our models. And what I mean by that is it's it's almost like you creating, you having control over what's going to be in the video, but me sitting next to you and saying, that's how I would edit that video, simply put. So we're not a video editor. We're a video generator, um, if that makes sense. No, it definitely does. It, it's like you're, well, you're video generating, but you guys are doing the editing as well for the video, right? Because you're just giving them the final outcome of what their script is in the in the text box. For example yeah no exactly and and just to be clear when i say editing like we are not manually doing the editing we don't have some like group of, of <laughs> people that are you know all sitting at their computers right, editing right. videos really quick in the background and then like yeah. sending it like that's not how it works we have ai models that are analyzing every all the inputs and then compiling them and then generating a video using using Microsoft Azure, because that's where Got it. it's not like someone's oh, someone's not uploading a video to OSA and then you guys are edit, editing it. It's all being created on the fly via Correct. AI and your technology in the background. Exactly. You, you have to bring nothing except your creativity. That's it. You don't have to bring any assets. You don't have to bring um, anything. You just bring your creativity. You bring your custom script and then everything in the video is uniquely generated uh, using our backend and then put together and given to you to post on social media. Now, how in the world do you find like good B-roll, stitch it all together? Like, how does the technology work? I know you uh, alluded to in the very beginning of the podcast about like there's a thousand different <laughs> steps. 
but how in the world does that all that work? And like, how do you find good B-roll? Because that's not easy to find and to match up to, you know, a sentence in in a script, for example. Usually, an editor would do that. Yeah, it's a great question. So this is actually uh, something that a lot of people ask um, in terms of how it works. But we actually are not doing video yet at all. It's images. Okay. Yeah, it's images. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So there's well, even no that, even that's hard to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's no. Um, and we plan in the future to to go to full video. So I know mm -hmm. you guys are aware there's models that you can take images and turn them to video. That's no secret. So in the future, we'll plan to do that probably once we take on funding because that's pretty expensive. Um, it's going to be a lot more expensive to create a video doing that naturally. Um, without diving too much into it, I don't even know if I could dive too much into <laughs> it because I feel like I'm yeah, just going to... Yeah, yeah, but give us a very brief overview. We don't want to ruin your secret sauce here. <laughs> yeah, I I think the the best way I could put it is there's there's a subjective understanding of of in my experience in terms of the knowledge that I've garnered over the past half decade doing content. There's like I kind of mentioned with the coffee thing. There's a subjective understanding of what makes a video perform and it can be defined but it's very difficult. So essentially what I've done is through the means of, of technology defined what a good video looks like and put it into code. And I think one thing to, to really hit on here is that users have full control over the output. And that's the most important thing because nothing is random. Everything is very calculated. And it is in terms of your, your main question was, how does that all happen? And it's just a huge process. I mean, that's the, yeah. that's the best way I could answer it. Um, it's just a huge process. And the hardest thing to decipher for us and, and the thing we're always balancing, and this is something I can talk about, is the balance between what does a user want to control and what do they not want to control? And it kind of ties into what we've looked at in some of these other really big companies that are worth two, $300 million that are taking too much creativity away from the user. So one of the balances we've tried to find is how much control do we give the user and what steps should we do for them? And I guess that's, if that makes sense, because essentially, like I said, a user can bring their script, they can set their parameters. And, and we think we found a really good balance between um, user input and output. And when I say they can control the output, the video is directly made from the words in the script, aside from the other parameters that are there. So depending on how good the user script is, that is how good the video will be. If we're using low attention words like we talked about and maybe no hook and it kind of rambles on and it doesn't make sense, that video probably won't perform. But if you can have a really well-crafted script, then the software can do the rest for you, if that makes sense. No, it does. So it's you have a lot of control because you have control over the script as the end user. That's what your control is for the most part. Like, so if your script sucks, your video might suck as well. But it's yeah. all learning curve. We've all written bad scripts. So it's, you know, it's going to, you can, but you can upload, you know, how does it work in terms of like pricing? Right now, there's a wait list for the product, but is it going to be uh, something where you have unlimited scripts or 10 scripts a month that you can add um, for your, and then like, can you upload unlimited scripts and see which one does the best and then pick the 10 best or how does it work? Yeah, great, great question. So in terms of how it's going to work, it's just going to be 
uh, we're a SaaS, so it's going to be monthly subscription. Mm-hmm. In terms of how we're starting right now, so we have our early access launch on February 1st. If we look at the pricing of something like this, it was honestly, it's impossible to price this because there truly is nothing like this on the market. Like it truly is unique in terms of the problem we're solving because there's no company that currently exists in the world that can create videos using AI that actually perform. And before I answer that, I just wanna um, give some context to that. We've ran a beta and in that beta, we had about 20 individuals, random individuals from our community that just followed Coal World, which is my username. They just came in early on and were like, people that are committed and they come here and they are supportive of the community, we're gonna give you the opportunity to use this. And granted, I gave them some pointers on how to create content, but 90% of these people had little to no experience on social media. And the ones that did, they're by no means big influencers. A couple had a couple thousand followers, maybe on TikTok, but okay. zero of them had any faceless content creation, just to be clear. And across the eight to 10 that are still here because half of them fell off because we didn't really qualify. We kind of just said, this person seems motivated and cool. Let's let them try it. <laughs> um, that was like the criteria. Like if you're motivated and you're here, let's try it. And out of those people, uh, within about 30 to 35 days, they garnered over a million views um, using their short form from wow, short form content, awesome. posting that's one incredible. time a day using Aussie. Right. And then I can dive into the other stuff. That's incredible. And it's super easy to use too. Uh, on your website, asa.ai, uh, if you click watch demo or you go on uh, X to the Asa page, there's a nice outline step-by-step of how it's used with the demo super easy steps you got it in like six steps like choose a voice choose a style input script press create video then you can download the video and put it on social media it's that easy so uh very cool project um thank you yeah but i just wanted to put that plug in there to go check out the demo (laughs) maybe while you're listening to this because it's super easy uh walkthrough thank you so much and we actually I'll, I'll die back into your question, Ryan. I'm sorry. I'm like, sure, this no is problem. the biggest cliffhanger ever. I know I'm, I'll get back around to it. But yeah, we're also adding an onboarding process for all our users, um, which I think is important to note because we didn't have that. It's like you would have purchased your subscription and then you would have been like, okay, now what? So we added an onboarding process. That's almost done. So you'll be able to go through a step-by-step tutorial when you get into the platform, which is going to be great. That was actually a piece of advice I got from um, one of our advisors who's just helping us, you know, for free, which I'm super grateful for that we met even just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then in terms, coming back to your question, Ryan. So we launch our early access on February 1st, and that's only going to be 150 users. And what I was alluding to back there is that it's so hard to price something like this because we truly have nobody that is doing something like this. So you can't, I can't really price to mid journey because that's a that's a tool that just creates images and it's not really right. the same use case. I can't price to uh, NVIDIA. I'm sure you guys have heard of that because yep. yeah, they say, you know, the claim is that they create videos for social media, but they don't perform, at least from what I've seen and what I've heard from many of the influencers in the space. Um, so it's like, how do we price this thing? It, it, it essentially fast tracks your way, granted with some prerequisites, to gain influence. And what is that worth? What are views worth? It's it's the most valuable thing in our market today. So originally we we're gonna price it at $99. And then I talked to one of our advisors um, that's also just a friend of mine. I just have a lot of good friends, I guess, uh, that gave me some really good advice. And he's like, you have, you essentially, no matter how good the product is, you have essentially no right to, to charge $99. And I was like, 
And I had this feeling in my chest for these like three, four days leading up to the announcement. And I didn't know, I couldn't put my finger on it. It's one of those unknown unknowns that you run into that I've, okay. many of those I've ran into. I'm sure you've had those experiences too, both of you yeah. guys. I'm like, I can't put my finger. I need to talk to someone. So I ended up calling him and he, that's what he said. And then it like, I felt this relief come off. Like I felt my shoulders set in. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, she's so right. Like, that's what it is. We can't charge $99. Sure. We have proof of, of doing, you know, a million views in the beta, but at the same time, like we need to focus on getting users. That's what matters. And we really need to give to our community. And since then we decided, you know what, we're going to price it at $9.99 for the first 150 users, which is the biggest deal ever. And, yeah, to put that in and to put that in perspective, it's not for five videos or 10 videos. We're giving, um, to my understanding, unless we've changed it, because I know my, my partner's handling this, but 20,000 video generation credits, which to put that Holy in perspective, cow. that's that's 20 minutes of video generation. So if you're creating 30 second videos, you can create 40 videos if you're able to secure one of those spots. Um, and then if you're creating 20 second videos, it's 60 videos and that's subject to change, but I believe that's the current standing right now. And, you know, we plan to, after that month is done, we're not going to charge 99 to those first 150 users. We're actually just going to do 39 99. And then the following month, we're going to launch on product hunt and then have a fuller price. It's, it's hard to say what that price will look like. Um, I just one the biggest piece of advice he gave me is scale into your price and and do it in cohorts and then you can see what the conversions are and you know all the all the metrics that probably yeah. no one wants to hear about as I'm talking about this stuff. Um, but essentially, that's kind of our plan and and yeah, I mean that's that's where we're starting off. Who knows what we're going to price it at later? But that was just I wanted to share that because it was such an incredible piece of advice. Like just basically, like you have zero right to charge that much <laughs> and also just get users right now. Like and. I, that was that was short term Cole from the past thinking you've worked so hard on something that it's time for you to make money. And then like, you know, wiser Cole had to kick Cole to the curb and say, who, who you don't have the right to charge that much, no matter how much work you put in, like you need to you need to be even more patient. So that that was a conversation I'd have myself. Yeah, you know, it's like a huge learning experience for, for, for anyone starting a business on what to charge or. You know, because your your products are baby a lot of the times you put so much time and effort into it. It's been you know, 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week working on your product, and you know it's worth so much money to someone. And, you know, it's probably is worth $99 to someone. One example that I have for one product, I forget the name. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's a simple product that lets you write, it writes Twitter hooks for you, and they're really good. I That's mean, you cool. can do the same thing in ChatGPT, but this product specifically is garnered towards Twitter hooks and, and promoting your um, X.com posts. And they cool. charge 50 bucks a month, but it's worth it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't use it anymore, but it was worth it at the time for me to use because I was using I was writing a Twitter post every single day for probably like six months straight. And it was such a huge help that 50 bucks was nothing. So I feel like your tool is sort of the similar thing um, that once you do get some traction in users, you know, if someone's creating those videos from for themselves right now, ninety nine dollars a month will be a freaking steal. You know, so it's all about what your time's worth for you, worth to you and how quality of a tool is it? You know, so if you're getting a million subscribers or a million views on TikTok, I mean, that's nothing. So $99 is an absolute steal. I can't wait to try it out. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Thank you. No, and we definitely feel the same. And I think one thing to point out is what is, what do views really mean for anyone listening? Cause it's like, it's cool to get views, but what does that mean? And I'm sure you guys both know this even better than I do. 
um, you know, in, in social media, what does attention give you? Attention gives you the opportunity to make money. And we live in a world, you know, attention is the new oil. Another quote from Alex Ramosi. Um, I'm a big fan of him, if you guys didn't tell. But yeah, attention is the new oil. And if you can get attention, whether it's in short form content, whether it's in long form content, granted, we could say the argument of long form viewers are more valuable, which they probably are. But if you don't have any attention at all, it's, it's nice to get attention either way. So if I can get 10,000 people to view my piece of short form content or even a thousand people, what could that mean for me, right? What could that mean for my business? What could that mean for me? Even if I just wanted to make some extra money as an affiliate of something, right? And I know that's a whole nother skill set that you'd want to learn is number one, how do I get influence? And then number two, how do I monetize? Which I'm a big believer in just learn how to get views first, learn how to influence and get attention. Then we can talk about monetization later because once you crack the code of influence, then if you can just snap your fingers and get attention, which it's not that simple, you still have to work. But if you can essentially, in the hypothetical sense, just snap your finger, well, now you just need something to sell. Because if you have eyeballs, you can convert those eyeballs. And I think that's when we talk about pricing, I would always want to price around that type of customer who sees that value, who's getting success and is able to monetize set attention use or through us AI. Cause it is a great tool. And I know a lot of people are going to have fun and there's going to be people using it that just want to grow a following on social media. But as we continue to build and I'm building out resources for the community and, and the product becomes better and better, that is the goal, right? Because I know it's really cool to, to be able to get followers, but I also understand a lot of people want to get into social media because they want to make money. So that's like bigger picture is, mm -hmm. I want it to, I want it, I want this tool to be for the guy who's living in a third world country who has just enough money to get a subscription. And if he takes some time to learn how to write a good script and understand how to analyze his content, he could actually grow influence and find a way to actually make money and support himself or his family. Like that's the big picture. That's the scope of, of what I think, and I know can be done here, um, at scale over a long enough time horizon. Definitely. And, and one, I think one key feature about your tool that people might overlook is that script writing for people, people that aren't into YouTube or TikTok or just getting into it, script writing is like a vital part of uh, a video doing well. Like a lot of times people don't, people don't go on to YouTube and just sort of wing it. There's people that do that, that just, you know, hit the record button and start saying what's on the top of their mind. But most of the good videos are scripted. And um, this tool uh, will let you sort of iterate very quickly because you can put out a video with a script very, very fast, see how it does. And then if it sucks, you can learn what you did bad, fix mm -hmm. it and improve on it, improve, improve upon it. Um, whereas before you'd have to create an entire video yourself with the script, then test it. So you'll just be able to, I think it'll make people a very, very, they'll, it'll make them very good script writers. Um, if they, if they use your tool, tool over and over again. Yeah. And, and that's really the goal. Being a creator myself, one thing that is really important to me and a lot of, one of the main things that people ask is why haven't we taken on funding? Because we have been offered to multiple times for people to take a position and, and give us liquidity. And there's many reasons, um, but one of the main ones is I'm yet to see someone who, who would be strategic enough, especially at this stage, we really don't need it. We're bootstrapped and you know I'm not saying I'm, I'm living lavish and I have all this money. Um, definitely it's not the case after you bootstrap something for 14 months. So put it that way, I'm living on, on chicken and rice out here. Yeah. But, um, you know, in terms of one of the main reasons why we haven't relinquished any ownership is because the last thing I want is for this tool to impose on people's creativity. And I've seen that happening 
with a lot of these AI companies where it's really just diluting creativity. And I want this tool not to be something that people just do a prompt and then they just click a button and whatever. But I, I want this to be part of the content creation process. I don't want it to be, I'm going to do everything for you. That's not what this tool is meant for. And I think that's what people really want. People don't want AI to do everything for them. I, if, if we learn one thing over the past two years, it's, it's that exact thing. And it's my belief that over a long enough time horizon, most likely in the next few years, a lot of these companies that are diluting human creativity are not going to be in a great position because the sentiment towards AI, from what I've noticed, granted a lot more people are adopting it and it's becoming more used. People are not fans of just regurgitated AI stuff. So anyone who's going down that route, in my opinion, over a long enough time horizon, people are going to shy away from that because it's a negative reinforcement cycle of like, that's it. I, it's cool, but it's not really mine, you know? And mm. people want ownership over their content. They want to feel like I did that. Not like, oh, like, I guess, yeah, when it, I guess it did okay, but I, it, it had nothing to do with me, you know? And I think that's really important too. And um, I'm super happy we got into this topic because that's a big thing for me. And that's why we haven't relinquished any ownership of it because in order for this to really become what I want it to be, I want to make sure I'm able to steer the ship in a way that's really in the the user's best interest in terms of allowing them to really feel like they have control over what's being generated. Because I think that's the beautiful part is like AI, a lot of people look at AI and they have this negative sentiment towards it, this negative connotation behind AI because they think it's just taking everything over. But the real value right now in using AI is using it as a tool. Just like you guys probably use ChatGPT every single day like I do as a tool, yeah. we don't rely on it. And I see this being the same way. So just for anyone listening, it's definitely not the case where it's everything's going to be done for you. But I, I don't think anyone really wants that anyways, from what I've seen. They just want, want it to be a little bit easier, but they don't want it all done for them. Yeah, we want AI to take care of all the hard stuff, stuff that we don't want to, <laughs> stuff that we don't want to deal with. We want to yeah. do the fun, creative stuff. And it sounds yeah. like that's what your, your tool is doing. It's allowing people to be creative, but all the hard stuff that you have to dig into, the grimy stuff, mm -hmm. you know, the planning, all that stuff it's all taken care of by AI. And that's a beautiful thing about it. I mean, we've talked to developers of all kinds, all different kinds of projects, and they're all singing that similar tune that like AI is freeing us up to be more creative. It's freeing mm. us up to do more meaningful tasks rather than hindering our ability to do such or taking over the world in such a way. Yeah, no, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Like I think of it like if you guys have seen those clips of like when a human hand is like touching out to touch like a robot hand and they yeah. touch fingers. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how I like to visualize like OS AI. You know, it's not like Terminator. It's more so like a human finger and a and a robot finger for anyone listening, touching touching fingers and then like a massive aura, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, definitely. One thing that I think a lot of people want to know, I mean, anybody getting, getting started into content creation is like how much money can you make off this? Do you have any examples of, you know, like how much money someone can make off of a YouTube video that does well or a TikTok vid that blows up. Do you have any examples through yourself or through people that you know that, you know, I, people just want to know around how much money someone can sure. make from a video. You know, is it enough to get started in, into if, they, if they're looking at, looking at making videos purely for the, for the money aspect of things? It's a great question. 
I get asked this a lot. <laughs> I, I feel like I've, I've asked you a lot of like, questions. You get asked a lot here. No, 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 no. I just, I, the reason I'm a little silent is because I, sometimes I just like to think about how I want to answer it. I just yeah. don't want to give a good answer. We'll take the 10 no. second Elon Musk pause here. If you saw that. <laughs> no, I just, I want to make sure I, I steer community, right. I'm just, uh, I'm happy to be on here. So I want to make sure I give the right information. So the first thing I always answer that because it is a great question and it's a common one. So I'm happy you asked it is. If you're getting into social media to make money, I would not get into social media because like anything else in our lives, what's so interesting, and I've just noticed this, and I think it's because of the nature of social media and how fast paced it is. And I'll answer the second part of the question, but I want to give proper context. Sure. What's really interesting is the feedback loop is so fast and it's, there's so much, if we just think about how exciting it is to create content and get recognition, it, it hits on like all the pillars of what humans want. In terms of, I can get recognition, I can make money, it can happen fast, so it seems. So I want to do that. And most people have this false understanding of, I can make money super fast. But social media is no different than anything else. Think about, for anyone listening, a sport that you play. How long did it take you to get good at that sport? Think about a topic in school, you're in school, or a topic in your profession that you are now a master in or now you're good at. That didn't take you a week or a month. It probably took you years. And the same thing goes for social media. I think a lot of people get into it and they think because of the nature of how social media is and <clears throat> it's so fast paced and exciting and everyone talks about money and a lot of people don't talk about this because it's just not that exciting, but it's, it's just the real shit. It's like anything else. It just takes a lot of time. And like I said, um, just a, a little bit ago, just to touch on it again, I think if you're first getting into social media, focus on the meta skills and the micro skills of getting influence and then the money will come because if you spend six to 12 months just focusing on getting engagement, granted, I know not everyone just has time like that, but if you make time, right? Because if you can really say, I'm going to spend six to 12 months, you extend the time horizon, just like anything else. If you're going to start a business, if you give yourself six to 12 months, you'll probably be better off than saying, I need to make money in two weeks. Um, same thing with the sport. I'm going to give myself multiple years to go to this sport instead of two weeks, right? Same thing. You give yourself the time and just say, I'm going to get good at getting influence, garnering influence. Then all of a sudden, six, 12 months from now, you'll turn around and be like, oh my gosh, I have all these followers. I have all these micro skills of how to get influence. Now I can monetize. So that's one thing I look at in terms of giving like a framework. Because mm -hmm. the last thing I want to do is steer anyone wrong and be like, this is how much money I'm making and, and get into it. Like the reality is it might take you a long time to monetize and that's okay. Because there's a lot of micro skills that aren't, that aren't talked about. And by the way, I have a bunch of resources on this. I can give them to you and then maybe you could attach them to the podcast. Yeah, that'd be great, yeah. Use them. But anyways, to answer your question, in terms of how much money can be made, I've never done long form. It's not been my thing. There's a lot more money in monetization through the means of these platforms through long form. Everybody knows that. Like CPM, how much you get paid per thousand views. Uh, YouTube can range heavily. Sometimes it could be a dollar. Sometimes it could be like $20 in terms of them paying you. And short form content, what's really interesting, and a lot of people don't know this, when I first got into TikTok, because that's where I started, they weren't paying out like anything for, for views, like nothing. I was getting paid maybe a hundred dollars per million views. If that maybe less, wow. it was real. Yeah. Horrible. And Instagram didn't pay out their creators <clears throat> in short form until maybe like a year ago. And even then it was nothing crazy at all. Like just nothing crazy. Maybe a couple thousand dollars if I got 20 or 30 million views. So it's like Jeez. the platform's yeah. Yeah, the platforms 
up until now, now they have the TikTok creativity beta program. And I'm going to bring this full circle <clears throat> and I'll tell you some stuff about the money I've made and how I've actually monetized because it's not really through the platforms at all. The TikTok creativity beta program, people have heard about that CPV or CPB. Um, it's a tongue twister. That's been paying out a lot more. So some people are getting paid a dollar to five dollars uh, per thousand views sometimes uh, or yeah, per. Yeah, that's correct. I believe per, per thousand views. And that's been really good, but it, they're kind of coming in a little bit late. You guys are a little late to the party. I've been in this for a while. I wish you guys could have had that. But anyways, I haven't been focused on that, but people are making money through that. So that's okay. YouTube shorts doesn't pay out a lot either at all. Similar to Instagram. It's really bad. But if you do want to monetize how I did it was I had a personal brand. So just for transparency, the most I got paid for a 60 second video was $30,000. Um, and that was definitely one of, one of my higher deals. And then on average, maybe it was like 10 to 20,000. And then I would, that was in the peak of my social media when I was getting maybe a million to 2 million views on a, on a short form video on average. So okay. I think that, that definitely makes sense for a short form video, right? If that's long form, they'd probably pay you more. Um, right. But so brand deals definitely pay, but what if I'm doing faceless content? Well, the one thing I would do if I was to go back and granted, I don't regret anything is have a product to sell. If you have a product to sell, just to put in perspective for anyone who is kind of in the monetization journey, maybe you're already getting engagement. You're like, what, how do I make money? Well, the simplest thing to do is to think about being an affiliate. If we're just, let's start there, right? Like let's be an affiliate because if you're an affiliate and it can at least resonate with your target audience, you can sell the product and then let the company deliver the service. And whether that's a company that you want to associate with is a whole nother conversation, but that's like the simplest way. And I'll just to put this in perspective, if this creativity beta program is paying you a dollar, let's say, let's say $5 per thousand views or whatever, something like that. Okay. Well, if you have a product and you can convert one customer, even as an, as an affiliate of said company, you can convert one customer and maybe you get paid $20 per customer per thousand views. Well, now you technically have a $20 CPM if we're making that same comparison. So if I was to go back and do it again, I probably would have started a personal brand and had a product to sell because all these, if I could have implemented them into my own videos that were getting millions of views and probably made a ton more money um, because I would just create content to create it. And maybe every 20 videos, I would do a brand deal or every 30 videos. Okay. And all those other videos essentially were just reestablishing who I was and letting people know who I was and building my brand, which is valuable in itself. But if I could have integrated my own product, it probably would have sold more. I would have made a lot more money. So I know that was a lot of information, but I guess there's multiple ways. If you're doing short form content, I guess you could rely on the platforms to pay you. But I think now in this day and age, you want to have a product to sell for sure. Okay. That's, that's really, really good advice. Like awesome advice. Mm -hmm. um, Hunter and I are actually, do you think I would actually, before I get into that, what I'm, sure. what I'm about to say, will it actually, will, will that also work with software? Like if you create a software, I mean, you're creating software. Um, would you promote um, your software on your uh, short short form videos as well? And do you think it will work for software products or SaaS products? Yeah, hundred okay. percent. I think it depends on the type of content that you're making for sure. Cause it's like, if I'm creating, if I'm a female and I'm making videos about astrology and then I plug it, you know, I'm an affiliate of a SaaS product that works with ChatGPT and writes newsletters. Maybe he won't convert many people. <laughs> so I guess there's right. that conversation. Um, but 
yeah, I, I think that's a whole nother like, discussion is what type of products do I sell? But I think it just, it comes down to understanding who's your audience, which is okay. like another conversation, right? For example, if right. you have a SaaS product that's in AI, technically you'd want to have people that have that target audience and you want to have data on who, who are those people consuming your stuff? And then you would compare that. If you own said business, I want to compare that to who's my ideal customer profile and say, does it look like their audience matches my ideal customer profile? And are they getting, you know, and then you have to talk about the offer and what makes sense for the business, but high level, that would probably be a good play potentially on the business, whether it's an affiliate or, you know, a paid promo, but I guess that's, that's a whole nother conversation. No, real, really insightful stuff. Yeah. Hunter and I are trying, we're going to be, um, we're building some software too. We're that's super high value. I could see that doing incredibly well, especially because I'm sure you guys understand where we're headed. I mean, I talked about it in social media, lower attention. I don't want to say lazier, but because people are just always going to follow the path of least resistance. And when there's tools and, yeah. and things that give the least resistance, people are going to lean in towards those. So I think you guys are on top of the game by, by having something like that for sure. No, thanks a lot. Yeah, our, our sort of business model is to, because you could have like the best idea ever and it still fails for whatever reason. So we're also going to, you know, we're looking for other ideas to, to build other apps. We found a good uh, developer on, um, in, I don't, I don't know where he is. I think he's in India somewhere, but uh, he's, he did a, we, he did a Chrome extension for us and he did a really good job. So we have high hopes um, that he'll do, do well for us on this one as well. So we'll see though. Um, should be coming out in the next three or four months here, but uh, we, I could talk to you for three more hours. So I really appreciate you coming on. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. I feel the same. This was uh this was great. I appreciate everyone's time who took the time to listen to this whole thing. And I appreciate your guys' time and who knows, maybe in the future, I could hop back on here and kind of update you guys on how things are going and you guys could update me. And I'd love to provide you guys some resources for, for your community um, in terms of, you know, content creation. Obviously, you guys can reach out to me on X. Hopefully, I mean, I don't want to say hopefully Asa doesn't blow up, but um, I'm pretty good about getting back to my DMs. So as long as I don't get flooded, if anybody <laughs> wants some of those resources, I'm I'm always I'm always looking to help people. And yeah, I'm a big believer in and you know, supporting people's creativity. And I think we just live in a day and age where there's so much opportunity, there's so many tools, and uh, it's just a matter of of finding the right information, really. So I try and I try and do my best to really put a lot of time into the information I give out so that I can hopefully help people, you know, find those right steps to whatever they're trying to achieve. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to just speak here today. Yeah. And Cole, what's your, what's your handle on social media? Cool. Yeah. So it's just Cole world. So, and it's spelled weird. So it's C O L E W H E R L D. And that would be on all platforms for Snapchat because I'm trying to claim my username because there's somebody who's got that one. So oh, <laughs> you can find me everywhere uh, using that username. Sweet. And then Asa, O-S-S-A dot A-I is the project that we were talking about. Very cool. Go check it out. Go join the wait list. Check out the demo. And then look at uh, Ryan and I's weekday newsletter, fry-ai.com. Uh, you can look at the past newsletters, the past long forms. Uh, subscribe for weekday updates, the coolest tools around. And then on Sundays, we do our deep dive long form articles uh, into cool developments and developers like this one.